And welcome into Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, K.O.R. Kutztown. Jack Hahn, Mitchell Smedley with you on this Monday evening following up another great edition of the Bears Beat here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, K.O.R. Kutztown. So glad to be back with you. Great weekend of sports has come and gone per usual. NFL, college football, NHL, the usual here on Heavy Hitters. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. Mitchell, how we doing, buddy? Stress-free weekend for you, and considering the Eagles were on a bye. Yeah, Penn State lost. Um, we'll talk about that coming up. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It was uh, most of my weekend uh, sports-wise was focused on KU, which just couldn't believe that game. <laughs> we them boys. We are them boys. Thirty-one-seven um, victory over the slimy pebble, and <laughs> I could not be happier. Ah, that's funny. Yeah, that's. I had a uh, a teacher. Who uh, always called it that? My uh, TVI teacher of the visually impaired. She was as self-proclaimed by that. I'm quoting right here. Uh, she was older than dirt, and um, she had all these bunch of sayings. You know, she said that uh, her pestering you is like being pecked to death by a chicken, which was uh, my motivation to get work done. Because um, I have a I have a procrastination issue for those that don't know. So, but she had a bunch of those sayings, and she would always say uh, whenever slippery rock came up, which was surprisingly frequently. Now that I think back on it. Um, she called it Slimy Pebble. so And she would always act like it was the first time she was telling me that, which was hilarious. <laughs> you ever have those people that are like, well, as my father used to always say, he had this saying back then. It's like, you told me 30 times. Told me that. Quiet. You told me that? Nah, she was great, though. One of the nicest. Uh, well, I mean, not nicest. She would, like, you know. She, she would, you know, if you pissed her off, man, like, she was upset, <laughs> which was awesome. Um but yeah, totally a nice person. Uh, one of the nicest, one of the most, uh, really one of the most motivating people I've ever worked with and stuff. So, credit to you, Miss Baldwin. That's a good story. Yeah, you know, I got heart. Wherever you uh, may tale. be, Mrs. Baldwin. Oh yeah, she's probably uh, yelling at her middle her middle child, Jimmy. Ah, who she says is just like me. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man. All right, let's get right into the nitty-gritty here. Um, NFL talk, great weekend of football. Into a lot of competitive games um, around the league. Finally, we're getting what I was hoping to see through the first eight weeks. we've been waiting for. That's exactly what weeks. I've been waiting what for. No, but through the first eight weeks, it was a lot of bleh and uh, a lot of meh play. But last two weeks, I think these teams have started to turn it on a little bit. Um, I feel like as professionals, it shouldn't take half a season to see a slate full of good games, but that's just my opinion. Anyway, higher percentage of good games than college. We've had this discussion. And I'm right. It's enough out of you. It's true. You're so wrong. What? We're not going down this again. Oh, it's We're not so going aggravating. Down this again. Um, alrighty here. Let's start it off quickly talking about Thursday Night Football. Not too much uh, to discuss here. Tyson Bajan took down the number one overall pick in Bryce Young. Second time that's ever happened in NFL history. The other only other time was um I believe it was Devlin Hodges for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was Second it, time what's happened? A division the, an two undrafted quarterback, quarterback has, oh. has beaten the number one overall pick. Oh. Both rookies that year, I yeah. guess? Okay. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that's had to have happened before. Um, yeah. Can I just say this about the – can I divert on the Panthers for a hot second? I understand that this was the guy you evaluated, and um, this is where all the confidence was. You spent all that capital to get Bryce Young with that number one overall pick, but – I don't want to judge too quickly because I know that uh, Jared Goff had a better rookie season than Carson Wentz, and then Wentz, you know, almost won MVP, brought the Eagles to a Super Bowl the very next year. Not saying that's going to happen with the Panthers, but right now it looks like they got the pick wrong. Uh, It looks like 
C.J. Stroud is just a better quarterback than Bryce Young. It does. The other time was Devin Hodges against Kyler Murray, who I was going to say, but I wanted to double-check myself before I did say that, so I was right. Those are the only two times that has ever happened in NFL history. I think Bryce Young is going to be good. It's going to take some time uh, to get the right pieces around him. I think the Texans are a more polished team than Carolina is, and that's kind of obvious to say. Uh, but you also have to look at the coaching, I think, discrepancy there. I think D'Amico Ryans is an infinitely better head coach than Frank Reich, um, despite Frank Reich having a really good singular year in Indianapolis for a couple of mediocre ones. But I think Frank Reich's a tremendous coach. I have I have the utmost respect for I think Frank he's a Reich. tremendous offensive coach, and he was a really, really good coordinator. And again, there's not a lot to, um, it's hard to be indicative of him because of what he's working with in Carolina. It's not a lot. The offensive line is not good. The wide receiver room is really bad. The running backs are Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders, one of the bottom backfield rooms, I think, in the league. Yep. There's just not a lot there for him to work with. He's got some good individual talents on defense, but as a unit, they're not that great. Yep. They, they're inconsistent. It's it's tough to really judge him because of how bad of a team he's managing. And, and again, I think there's nobody else to blame but himself. He willingly chose to come here. He wanted to be a part of a rebuilding team to build it from the ground up. It's going to take some time in Carolina. It was never going to be a quick fix, but we'll see if they got the first overall pick back, uh, first overall pick right with Bryce Young, excuse me. Yeah, that's the tough part is they gave up their their next first round pick. Yeah, for it, so right? the Bears so are going to have two top five picks. The Bears are going to have two top five picks um, with a quarterback that yeah. You know, what is the Fields injury by the way? It's a um, it was a uh, thumb injury. Thumb injury. Yeah, I think okay. he tore a ligament in his thumb. So he'll be. It's not like a career altering. Thing. He'll be back in, in full force next year. So they got the quarterback right in Chicago, I think. I think Justin Fields is night and day better than uh, than Bryce Young. But it's an interesting young set of quarterbacks in this league, especially when you consider that, you know, the best young quote-unquote quarterback, I know he's been here for a few years, is probably Jalen Hurts. Uh, and I don't think that's close, unfortunately. I have to give him some credit. And he was a second-rounder. He wasn't one of these top first overall, second overall picks, which is odd. Um, you know, and I, I enjoy it when the NFL works out that way. I enjoy the the diamonds in the rough. The uh, Dak Prescott was a third-round pick, right? He's not the best, but we'll talk about him. Uh, I have some opinions. Brock Purdy, seventh round. You know, and of course, he, Tom Brady, sixth-round pick. We get it. So, I, I don't know. I by think the this way, uh, trading up to get the first overall pick, I think, is overrated. By the way, Fields injury is a dislocated right thumb. I, dislocated, I okay. But um, he's not. It's not certain whether he will be back this week or not. So yeah. Bajan might have to start in their upcoming game against something Detroit, long, like big picture, long term. Yeah. What do you think about the trading the house to get the the first overall pick and find your guy, quote unquote? I think the with the way the Panthers did it, it was not the smartest of moves. Not, not Again, at all. look, Bryce Young could become a great quarterback, but at this moment in time, it looks bad because your team is so horrendous that you're losing a year of being awful and getting another highly talented player into your team. For for essentially nothing because Young has not shown you much this year. And again, it goes back to the point: not a lot to work with. I'm not going back down the rabbit hole. But but the point still stands: you're throwing away, you're throwing away a year where you could have got another really really talented player to come to your team. Yep, absolutely. I think it's a tough call to make. Do it's you, a tough line to toe. Even if you know, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to knock them for going out and grabbing the guy that they think could alter the franchise. I just don't think that guy existed in this draft. I don't think I don't think Bryce Young or CJ Stroud even are going to be, you know, Hall of Fame guys that you look at and go, they had to get him. They had to move up. I mean, I mean, look, the Texans are right now looking like Stroud is the man. Stroud there for I the think next, definitely has more of a for the chance. next decade. For sure, Stroud I think has much more potential. 
CJ Stroud already looks like an elite quarterback. He does. He looks really good. I mean, he's got incredible touch on, on his downfield passes. So calm and collected in the pocket. He's able to just read the field so quickly. And just he's so young in his NFL career. He really does look like a special quarterback. Well, so more so the point I was making was like we didn't know that like coming into the draft. Like sometimes going into into a draft, there's like there is this one quarterback that everybody wants. You know, you see that from time to time. There wasn't that that one guy this year. Um, more so is what I was was that what I was going for. But Stroud, I mean, we'll talk about him when we get to the Texans game. What what a rookie year he's having. I mean, pretty obvious rookie of the year I think so far. Uh yeah. So I think he's competing for MVP. MVP right yeah, now. I was going to say very worthy of being in the MVP conversation. We will get back to our NFL discussion in just a moment that we do have a message from the KOR community calendar on Tuesday, November 14th at Old Main Room 464 from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Take a s'mores break with anthropology and sociology professors at the s'mores and professors event. Hope to see you there. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University. K-U-R. All right. Hour number one of heavy hitters rolling on, talking all things NFL. We're talking the current state of the Carolina Panthers, whether it was the right move to trade up for the first overall pick in last year's draft and go with a selection of Bryce Young while sacrificing a talented receiver in DJ Moore and their first-round draft pick this year. That's right now, it yeah. does not look like it's paying off. You're not getting the youth. You're not keeping a viable receiver for whatever quarterback you got. What were what pick were they going to be? Oh, I think it was like, like nine. Was it nine? Was it really that low? I thought it was like fifth. No, no, it wasn't nine. I'm sorry. Um, Falcons ended up with the nine, I think. No, Falcons had the eight. They got Bijan. Yeah. Bears had the nine. So I guess it was the. Uh, yeah. I guess it was, it was nine. nine. That's yeah, yeah. It was right. Interesting. Here we go. Look at you, buddy. That was a good. Uh, that was a good call. Thank you. Um. Unless, unless, did the Texans trade their pick? They did. They traded Arizona to get the third to yeah. take Will Anderson back to back after Stroud. I, was it like a Texans tra- and like the Bears traded? I don't know. I'm just going to simplify. Say Carolina had the ninth. Um, don't quote me on that history, but I mean, you got to think of who was on the board. The quarterbacks at that point, Levis was gone, right? Nine or not? Uh, not Levis. Uh, who am I thinking of? Who's the third? Uh, when did Richardson go? this draft he was top 10 as well sorry I'm yeah digging that's what I was saying no no draft. Will Levis was not a not was a second round yeah no that is not what I was trying to think of um yeah holy smokes so it's not like they were gonna get one of the top okay okay maybe I see it better now the rain is gone I mean like, look I understand why they did it right like, like they wanted to get their guy they felt young was their guy that was it that was that was the logic, and it makes mm-hmm. sense. But now, you expect a team like this to not be one win. You expect them to do better in the free agency department. You have the QB on the rookie contract. This is the cheapest he's going to ever be because hopefully, if all goes to plan, he plays extremely well and gets a big contract in four to five years. So what you should be doing right now is signing high-quality free agents to put around him for the next four years. But they aren't doing that. Which is frustrating. They traded away DJ Moore, and that was going to be one of the valuable pieces on their team. That's that's what the uh, that's what teams do. That's the formula to success in the NFL right now. When the QBs on the rookie deal, first you have to get that right. If the Q, if the quarterback isn't right, nothing else matters. Your, your team yeah. is not going to win. Uh, but then you have to you got to spend money in the trenches. You got to go out and get pieces in the trenches, and then you draft you know your other players elsewhere. 
Agreed more. I couldn't agree more. Um, let's move on here. We have we yeah. have some games to talk about. We do. It was we're, a good week of NFL football. We're not going to go in depth on every single game, but we are going to go in depth on select games that were very very vital. Um, because this weekend, again, we mentioned it. Good, good weekend of football. Weekend of football. Let's start with the nine thirty eight game quickly. Colts beat the Patriots ten six in a snooze fest. Boring, dude. N- so not, boring. So bad. Oh my goodness. Awful game. Did you watch any of this? No. No, me neither. No. Couldn't was, care It was not less. worth my time. Uh, one note I have on the Colts, just because he's on my fantasy team, is that Michael Pittman continues to do well. He continues to have a solid season. Um, and, and Zach Moss is rolling this Zach offense. Zach Moss is, is gone. gone. Yeah, I had. Uh, I got that. thanks for that point two this week, buddy. That was really helpful. Jonathan Taylor's back in full force. Yes. Let's move on to the 1 p.m. games. Let's go to Pittsburgh. The Steelers and the Packers. The Steelers are six and three. I, I don't like it at all. The Steelers are six and three. They won a rock fight of a game against Green Bay, twenty three to nineteen. You've been busting that phrase out recently. It works and it's ap- rock and fight. it's applicable. It, it's it's. <laughs> I've never heard you say it before this weekend. It's, it's so a- funny. Yeah. Well, it's something I kind of keep in my back pocket, but nice. I, I use it in terms of games that are like, you know, they're hard fought. They're they're gritty. That's not the most like flashy kind of game, but it, it's physical. It's tough. That's what this game was. Twenty three nineteen. Pittsburgh wins it. KZ gets the you know the game-ending interception on the final play. Steelers backed by their defense, six and three, second in the AFC. Actually, I believe first in the division right now, just because the Ravens haven't had their buy yet, and the Steelers have the better divisional record at two and zero. It's uh, one of the most puzzling things I've ever watched. That through half of a season, a team with just no, it is, a putrid offense. It is the Ravens first, by the way. I'm sorry. They're 7-3. Steelers are 6-3. Yeah, just a putrid offense can get a team squarely in the playoff picture. It doesn't sit right with me. What are they, the same record as the Jags? 6-3? Yep. Yep. That, that doesn't feel right at all. But it is. And, I mean, especially considering I have a, I have a, little, a fun little thing going with one of my friends. I've told you about this, right? Yeah, you have. The uh, Steelers win the Super Bowl. Mitchie tattoos coming out in full force. Um, <laughs> that would be kind of funny. It would ruin my life. <laughs> it would honestly. I'd have to put it on like the bottom of my foot where no one can see it. You know? Yeah. And I got like kids running around. Right, I'm going down making pancakes. Dad, what's that on your foot? Don't ask about that. It's a dark chapter. We don't talk life. about that in this house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dad, I thought you were an Eagles fan. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Uh, my other note on this game, uh, it was impressive to see Najee Harris and Jalen Warren both effective on the ground game. They that was averaged, refreshing. It was. It, it was truly refreshing for this offense. Both averaged over five yards per carry. Uh, Jalen Warren, 15 for 101 and a touchdown. Najee, 16 for 82 and a touchdown. Uh, looks like these guys are splitting carries. At least that's how it was this game. I expect it to continue to be that way going forward. You, this is a thing you see in the NFL. It's rare that you see a workhorse back anymore. Uh, in the NFL, it just doesn't happen. I think it's with the way things are going, with the, the amount of injuries that are piling up. I think it makes sense for these teams to use, you know, and go that direction. But uh, man, oh man, uh, Pittsburgh's rushing attack this week very, very solid. It was bound to happen. Um, anyone with eyes, even myself with not so functional eyes, could see that Najee Harris alone was not powering this offense on the ground. Jalen Warren looks better when he has the football in his hands than Najee Harris. It just they're two different kind of backs. It works so much better for this type of offense, though. I think they can they can bounce off each other, and they like they can, you know, 
their their strengths are different, which is what can make them dangerous as a duo. Warren's more shifty and he's quick and he has that more of a quick burst. Meanwhile, Najee's the power guy that he can just rumble three guys over. Boom! He's like, he's the power guy. Is is Harris and Warren's more the guy you can put him out in space and let him let him go to work. And it's rare that you see that power guy become a workhorse unless your name is. Derrick Henry in this day and age. Yeah, exactly. It's it, he's really the only one. You know, Unless gone you're are the days alien. of like Demarco Murray's in the league, right? All all over and stuff. Um, yeah. God, remember him? Derrick Henry is an absolute alien. Yeah, he's really. There are not many people like him on the planet, and I, I just think the Jalen Warren thing works better for the Steelers as a whole. I think again, I, I would not like again. I don't think it's to the point. You need to cut Najee out of the offense. I think they're both effective in, in their own separate ways. You just have to play them to their strengths. It has to be thought of differently, though. Jalen Warren should be the first and ten, second and six guy. Najee should be the third and one, third and two. When you need those couple yards, boom. It, it needs to be there. Needs to be a thought change in the in the Steelers, which which seems to starting to be seems to be starting. Um, if you look at their most recent couple of games. Jalen Warren's definitely becoming more involved, like we're talking about here. But Jalen Warren needs to be the first couple downs. He needs to be the pass catcher. Najee Harris, like you said, he gets he's powerful. He's your third, fourth down back. That's what he's good at. So I don't know. I don't know. Steelers' offense is a lot of early down runs. So I, I mean, that's why they have the setup the way they do currently. I think. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. We have to go to our first break of the show today. When we come back, we will further discuss the NFL slate over the weekend and round out our NFL discussion a little bit later on in the hour by previewing Monday Night Football with the Bills and the Broncos. So much more NFL talk coming your way in hour number one of Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Welcome back in. It's Heavy Hitters. Lovely soundtrack. Making our way through hour number one. November, what is it, the 13th? Yep. Wow. Crazy how far into the month we've gotten already. We're, like, actually halfway through November right now. That's unbelievable. Thanksgiving is in less than two weeks. Oh, gross. Thanksgiving is, like, yeah, a week and a, like, ten days away. Yeah. Yep. Oh, not excited for that. Oh, that means the the room inspections pre-Thanksgiving break are coming up. Everybody. (laughs) Wink, wink. Everybody. Boom, boom, clean your room. All right, let's get back into the NFL discussion. Yeah, I, the yeah. people don't want to hear us sing. No, I, I um, mean, absolutely not, even though I do it every week. By the way, if you want to get in on like on any of our discussions today, 610, not 61, is it? Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. 610. I was I, about to give my phone number, 267 <laughs> You dox your phone number on air? <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I'm, I'm lonely, you know? Hey, maybe Charles is listening. Um... <laughs> Anyways, 610-683-4058. 610-683-4058. I was like, wait a minute, 610, that's not my phone number. (laughs) Phone lines are open. We're ready for you to yell at me about the Ravens. (laughs) After I defended them so heavily. Uh, Anything to say about the Packers in the Steelers-Packers game? Um, no. Jordan Love. No. Oh, that was a great noise. It was powerful. I was in the middle of saying no, and I sighed. I like, took a deep breath. Um, no, not particularly. Jordan Love. Boring. Yeah. Agent Dillon, though, was efficient. I carried 70 <laughs> yards. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Jaden Reed, 5 for 84 and a touchdown. Uh, it's been a, been a rough season for Green Bay. They get the Chargers. <laughs> they get the Chargers next week. Pittsburgh, 
goes to Cleveland. All right, let's keep on trucking here through this 1 p.m. slate. We talked about C.J. Stroud earlier. Let's go to Cincinnati, Ohio, where the Houston Texans pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the weekend. 30-27, another game-winning drive led by C.J. Stroud. And the Texans are 5-4 <laughs> and four with an outside chance. Are you okay over there? We're, we're powering through. Texans have an outside chance to, to win the AFC South. As crazy as that would have sounded coming into the season, that is an actual reality at this stage of the this stage of the game. Houston is is not a bad football team at all. It's because of their quarterback. He is single handedly turning the franchise around. That that is what Carolina was hoping for with their program, trading all those assets, and Houston's found it. With the number two overall pick, did they trade up for that, or did, did, did is that was just nope? That was landed? their pick. Yeah, that was just their pick. Um, I believe they did end up giving away a first rounder next year to get up to three. Oh, uh, they gave one this year. Okay, just uh, oh oh yeah, this year is in like twenty twenty four. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was Arizona the, will get their pick. So yes. the Gardens are going to have two first rounders. Oh, uh, looks like one will be in the top. 10, minimum, top five probably. Um, and then the Houston pick will probably be mid-teens. Yeah, mid-teens. So the thing about Houston, I think they will probably make the playoffs. Uh, they're playing a fourth-place schedule right now. They are in a weak division. The schedule adds up for Houston. Like, the remaining games, I looked at them the other day. They're pretty favorable. Um, do I think this team is going far? No, they don't have the talent up and down the roster that any of the other uh, playoff teams are going to have. It's a tremendous story. C.J. Stroud will win Rookie of the Year. He'll get MVP votes. I don't think he'll win it. Not every game is going to be the last couple for him, though. Uh, he's going to have some rough weeks coming up, and people need to not overreact to that. This man is a great young talent. He's going to be a great quarterback for a long time. I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of C.J. Yeah, he's incredible. Um, and I especially like it because he's on my fantasy football team. So nice. thank you, C.J. Your work is so much appreciated. Uh, from me um, and, and all of the other people who have you in fantasy football. No, but in all seriousness here, uh, it has been truly incredible to see what C.J. Stroud has done this year. Um, he looks so polished as a rookie. Just everything about his game. I mean, I don't think that there's one glaring weakness in, in C.J. Stroud's game. No, I don't think so. Um, he's mobile enough. He passes well. He's accurate, which, I mean, just such a breath of fresh air to watch a quarterback that can actually throw accurately. And he's got that uh, that clutch gene in him to lead a game-winning drive a couple times. He just, man, looks like the complete package, and he's only going to get better. All right, on the flip side, conversely for Cincinnati, a tough one to lose. They're 5-4, and four, last in the AFC North. They are, as they are, 0-2 in divisions. Obviously not a divisional contest. Um, but, man, it felt like this is a game they had. They had the momentum late. They go down, they score, they take the lead, 27-24. They give Stroud a little bit too much time. The Buccaneers gave Stroud 46 seconds, and that was too much time for them. Um, and now they give him a minute 33, and he goes down and gets him a field goal. By the way, some putrid tackling by the Bengals on that last catch and run by Noah Brown. I mean, are you kidding me? Two Bengals get run through by Noah Brown to get some extra yardage, put them down comfortably in Matt Amendola. By the way, he was recently signed before that game hits the game-winning 38-yarder. Um Incredible job. Incredible job from Mr. Amendola. Who threw the interception in the last couple minutes of this game? Was it Stroud or Burrow? I'm trying to look So Stroud on threw one. The Bengals returned it to the four. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yep. Um, look, the Bengals are 
they're an okay team. I have not been impressed with them all season. People I think they're are, a good football team. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I might – I'm not going to double down on what I said last week. I still think they're a good football team. I think they can still very well reach the AFC title game. They, they, don't have, they, they can just win games. It's not as been convincing as the last two years have been, but they have winning identity in them. And just, this game doesn't change that for me. Um, I think this hinders that. They left way too much time on the clock. You just talked about it. Couldn't make a tackle on the last drive. Yeah. I mean, that that that's true. There were some mistakes in this game that they you know got to rectify. But I don't think it's things that will completely crush their season and, and, and end their hopes of going far in the playoffs. I was debating last week whether the Cowboys were better than the Bengals. I think that's obvious now. Um, that the Cowboys are better than the Bengals. I was uh, debating, well, let's look at the AFC teams that are better than the Bengals. I got the Chiefs. Uh, I still have the Ravens. Um, you know, Those are the obvious top two still for me. I don't think there's one you can definitively put over them after that, though. No. Uh, I think there are three. Think the, I don't think they are three. I think they're right there with the Jags. I think they're with the Steelers. Which is so crazy to say for me right now. I think now. if you put Jacksonville and Cincinnati on the field, I think Cincinnati would win the game. I think Houston is also into that conversation now. Yeah, dude, their defense is not good. I'm sorry. It, as as It is worth noting that they beat the Bengals, but it was without uh, T. Higgins. Higgins did not yeah. play yesterday. Houston also didn't have Nico Collins. Yeah, important. So... I both think teams are better receiver. than Nico Collins. I mean, but. Yeah, I'm not trying to say Nico Collins is better, but both teams were without a top... It's true. Offense. It's a good point. So it's right. just uh, I, I think that Cincinnati isn't better than those teams right now. Who are their uh, division losses to? It's um, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Yeah, I think both of those teams are better than uh, than the Bengals. All righty. Well, we got to step aside real quick. Uh, give you a mid-hour traffic update here in Rush Hour. We'll be back in 30 seconds here on Heavy Hitters. No accidents in the Lehigh Valley on 22 or 78, Berks County on 222 or 422, Schuylkill County on 209 or 309, Carbon County on 248 or 443 or on the Turnpike. For the latest traffic information, download the 69 News Traffic app or go to WFMZ.com. Hour number one of heavy hitters rolling on on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown, Jack High, Mitchell, Smedley, all things NFL talk. Here in hour number one, we were just talking about the Bengals and the Texans game 30-27. to C.J. Stroud plays hero again for the second straight game, leading a game-winning drive for Houston. All right, let's keep moving on here. Buccaneers get a win over the Titans in a sloppy one, 20-6. Um, Baker Mayfield continues to have a decent campaign for Tampa Bay this year. 278, two touchdowns to one interception, and 18-29 passing. Buccaneers 4-5. and five. They are your typical middle-of-the-road football team, and the Titans continue to be what the Titans are this year. Not fun to watch. Correct. All right. Let's go to Baltimore. Another big AFC North showdown. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. That's improperly worded. Uh, but back to the AFC North. This time a fun showdown between divisional rivals. Cleveland and Baltimore. The Browns go in and get a stunner. 33-31. Dustin Hopkins with a walk-off 41-yard field goal. Saw a lot of that this week across the we NFL. We did. Three games with a walk-off field goal. You had Matt Amendola in Cincinnati doing it. You had Dustin Hopkins doing it in Baltimore. And we'll get to one other game that had and finished with a walk-off field goal later on 
Uh, that was later on in the day, Sunday, 33-31, Cleveland 6-3 on the season. The best Deshaun Watson looked this year for Cleveland, 20-34 uh, passing, 213, one touchdown, one INT. Jerome Ford goes up over 100 yards on the ground with some tough running, and that Browns offensive line continues to be one of the best in football. They are really good. They're uh, playing as a unit all season long, um, even with the absence of one of the top backs in the league in Nick Chubb, they are still uh, finding holes and, and finding lots of success with the ground game. This uh, this game really upset me, and I was personally offended. The minute I start defending the Ravens, the minute I start taking a single ounce of a victory lap on uh, calling them out as one of the best teams at the start of the season, um, they go and, and they you know personally offend me. They blow it. They blow it, and this is a choke job. It was absolutely a choke job. They had a double-digit lead. They had a 15-point lead in this game, a 14-point lead in the in the fourth quarter, third quarter. Yeah, no, I think it was the fourth quarter. I think yeah. it was the fourth quarter. Yeah, they had a, uh, let's see here, a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. 31-17. Yep. yep. So, really upsetting uh, to go lose it like this. They could be sitting at, what, 8-2 and two right now? Yeah. Could be 8-2. and two. Clearly separated from the pack. Right up there with the Chiefs. Instead, they're right down there in it. So, um, I'm trying not to overreact. It's a it's a divisional game. The Bengals was a divisional game, you know. So these two teams, yes, they were both in in the top ten in the power rankings last week. I think they fall. I don't think they. I don't think they. Uh, what do you call that? When you fall like a lot, what's the term? Plummet. Plummet. Yeah, I don't think they plummet. They fall, but don't plummet. Um. Just frustrating. Just frustrating because they had it. They had it won. Lamar played well again. Um, defense did enough uh, most of the game. And then it was, what was that, a pick six by Lamar that he threw? Yes. Yeah, to the house. Um, credit the Browns defense, man, making plays when they had to and uh, setting up the game-winning drive. Both these defenses well. got a pick six in this game. Um it was important to note after that pick six, it was a missed extra point from Dustin Hopkins that even forced them to have to go down and get some points at the yep. end. I mean, it would have been 31 31, so they would have had to get points. Anyway, would have been tied. Uh, but they would have lost the game um, off that missed extra point if they couldn't capitalize that final field goal drive. Big win for the Browns. Uh, they get the Steelers at home next week. Baltimore, quick turnaround after a gut punch loss. They host the Bengals on a primetime Thursday night showdown, which is going to be awesome, by the way, because we were just having this debate last week. And. We can see it, you so know. See it shake out on the gridiron. Bengals, Ravens, Thursday night. All right, 49ers wallop the Jaguars, thirty-four to three. Oh, just unbelievable! Jack had this one pinned down. Brock Purdy returned to form, throwing for two hundred ninety-six yards and three touchdowns on the afternoon. Nineteen of twenty-six passing, and the 49ers' defense really put the clamps on Travis Etienne and this Jacksonville offense, allowing just two hundred twenty-one total yards. Not much to talk about on the Jacksonville side. You know, it was a struggle fest for them coming out of the bye. Uh, meanwhile, for San Fran, the bye served them well after three straight losses. They looked dominant. They got uh, Debo back, back to the know, early season got some, form. Some healthy players. Yeah, and absolutely. A miracle what that can do for you. So big time win for San Francisco in this game uh, on the road against Jacksonville. The schedule only gets tougher going forward for the Jags. Um, they host the Titans next week. That's kind of an easy one, but then they have a nice little fun showdown to try to get some revenge on Houston um, on Sunday the 26th, final Sunday of November. Uh, then they get the Bengals, Browns, a couple of AFC North showdowns uh, those in the next couple weeks forward. For Jacksonville, on the flip side for San Francisco, they will host the Buccaneers next Sunday. All right. Saints and Vikings. 
Whew, we Whoa. said it could be a, a sneaky good game. And it was. It was absolutely a good game. Look who keeps winning, Jack. Vikings continue to roll as the defense led by Look Brian who Flores. Keeps winning. Gets better week after week. Dobbs looks comfortable with the offense in only his second week with the team. And Minnesota has put themselves in a good spot with Justin Jefferson set to return soon. I believe they have won, rattled off six wins in a row. I think it's five in a row, but six of seven. Because they're six and four, right? No, they were one and f- yeah, one and four, so five in a row. You're right. You're right. Five wins in a row for Minnesota. I apologize. You got good. the number wrong. So five wins in a row for the Vikings. They're six and four. They've put themselves in a good spot uh, for the wild card race at this moment in time, and they're still not out of it in the division. They are challenging the Lions, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they got what it takes to beat the Lions. You don't think so? No. Look at this offense right now. No. Dobbs is. Yeah, look at the Lions' offense right now. I know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I think the Lions are a better team, but anything can happen once we get into December. What's the uh, upcoming Vikings schedule? They get Denver next week. Easy. I win. know that for a fact. In Denver, host the Bears, Easy. go to Vegas. Easy. Get the Bengals on the road. Okay. Lions, Packers, Lions. Oh, wow. Two of the last three weeks. What a showdown. Um, yeah, the only only three real challenges on that schedule are Lions, Lions, Bengals. They could rattle off some wins here, and if the Lions stumble, oh, baby. What a showdown that sets up for in December. All right. Um, on the flip side for the Saints, Jameis Winston experience is always such a fun oh, thing. Oh, it's not. Fun thing to behold. <laughs> it's not Rifled that, an impressive touchdown to A.T. Perry uh, in the end zone before throwing a catastrophic interception looking for Rashid Shaheed took a shot down the middle of the field slipped while he threw it airmailed him into triple coverage mind you it was picked off I believe by Byron Byron Murphy Jr. uh, to ice the game Vikings win it actually it didn't ice the game because the Saints got the ball back they got a chance to go to the end zone on a Hail Mary Jameis got into the end zone no one able to corral it the Vikings were able to hold on and win it that ball did get tipped up in the air 27 and 19 they're six and four in the up and down season for the Saints with a mediocre offense a uh, really just mediocre season uh, continues after Derek Carr left hurt in this one. Yeah, unfortunate for Derek Carr. Um, and Jameis Winston is uh, going nowhere fast with this team. So uh, I think it's safe. Uh, I don't know. What's their current record, the Saints? Five and five? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, because they have their bye this upcoming week, so they're five and five. So they're not out of it uh, in the division. Falcons, what are In they? fact, they're still winning the division. Oh, are they? For some reason, I thought they were behind like a half game. Um, now the Bucks trail them by half a game. Gotcha. So Saints still in it into the division, but three team race in the in the NFC South. In some ways, the most competitive division in football. <laughs> I think I think eight wins might get you this title. I think if the Saints could win three more games, they might oh, win this division. Man, I don't know about that. Eight and nine, I think is going to be good enough. I do. I think you have to at least have a winning record. No, not not with this division. Not this year. I think so. No, dude. What? You act like I'm crazy for some of these takes. Dude, like, I don't see how you get... How does one of these teams... Like, what's the path to nine wins for one of these teams? Uh, Read me the remaining schedule, I'll tell you. Saints. Saints, okay. At Atlanta. Could be win. Could be one. Home to Detroit. Home to Carolina. Win. Home to the Giants. Win. At the Rams. Probably a win, and that's nine. At the Bucks, who they already lost to at home. Yeah, but they could win. That's and the then the Falcons. Game. And that could be another win. There's easily a path to nine wins right there. Oh, my goodness. The Saints have shown me nothing to, to trust them. 
They agree, but they could win those games. They could, but I like that's the thing. Like, I can't say them definitively. You acted like it was a, a stone hard wall that they wouldn't get to nine wins. I don't know. I, I just we'll revisit this. We will. I mean, I don't know. It's just tough for me to imagine one of these teams actually being good. But look at how many times those teams play each other. Oh, actually, so someone's sorry. going that's to be winning those thing. games. Actually, being good and getting over five hundred is not the same thing. Correct. But like. Look at how many times those teams play each other. There's going to be automatic wins given out in each of those games. Ooh, I think the Buccaneers might be able to do it. You think? Oh, yeah. Why? What's their score? They got Carolina twice. Win, win. They have Atlanta once. They have the Saints again. The Colts. The Packers. Win. They're only tough games for San Fran and Jacksonville. Ooh. Wow. Those are the only games on their schedule against teams who are over 500. At this yeah. point. You also have to play the, the Saints and the Falcons, though. Yeah. Which, those are the ones you're racing against. If you lose those two, you're really at a disadvantage. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. Should be a fun division to see shake out. Absolutely. All right. got to step aside one final time in hour number one. When we come back, we will wrap up our NFL discussion, recapping Sunday's game, quickly previewing Monday Night Football before we move on. Um, quickly, I think there's some MLB rumors you got to talk about uh, with some team with some players being linked to some certain teams of free agency, uh, and then we will really dive deep into the weekend that was college football. So much more to talk about here in Aviators. Wrapping up hour number one on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Back on Aviators, hour number one on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. As always, Jack I Mitchell Smedley with you here on this Monday evening, running through the weekend that was NFL football. What? <laughs> Just the way Monday evening. That's what we're running through. Okay. That's kind of how you said it. Okay. All right. Sure. All right. I don't know. Whatever. Now it's awkward because of what you said. <laughs> I just did that. Well, I'm getting intel that's not working. Well... I don't so, know about that. How about them apples? Um, anyway, let's keep going here. Uh, the Lions take down the Chargers in a shootout at SoFi Stadium, 41-38. Riley Patterson ended this one with a walk-off field goal for Detroit in a game where neither defense could muster up a stop. The Lions took advantage of getting... I'm so sorry. You're good. Um, I just honestly wasn't expecting that. Does that mean there's um, four games that ended in walk-off field goals? Um, we got one more coming up. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I forgot about that one. So make it four. Um, I'm sorry, I lied. Um, yes, so in a game where neither defense can muster up a stop, the Lions took advantage of getting the last possession and winning the football game. Dan Campbell, man, rolled the dice a couple of times in this game in situations I'm not sure I would have, especially a fourth and five in the first half. Got a six-yard run out of David Montgomery. Um, this Lions offense is... Look out. I mean, they are dangerous, man. The running back duo of Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, the best in football. Amandar St. Brown cooked in this game. He was incredible. Uh, the Lions, 7-2 and two on the year. How about that? Stand up, Detroit. Yeah, it's a it's a tremendous bunch of guys that they have in that um, in that locker room. They're finding ways to win, man. In the Detroit culture where a couple of years ago, this is a team who would consistently find ways to lose. I think if you want to look at a case study to see how important culture is and to see how important having the right guy leading the ship is, Dan Campbell is the premier example of that in the NFL. He has been the perfect coach for the Detroit Lions to revitalize his team, to revitalize this city, uh, to get the passion back for football uh, in the city of Detroit and really in the state of Michigan in the professional sense. Um, what a job he's done. 
this year, bringing the Lions back. They're seven and two, position fantastic to get into the postseason, and and in my estimation, win the NFC North for the first time since I can remember. Yeah, I think they'll likely win the NFC North as well. The uh, one of the biggest challenges to my Eagles in this division in, in this conference right now, nineteen ninety three. Actually, no. Um, they've never won the what? NFC North. Last time they won a division was 1993, which was, which was the NFC Central at that time. Interesting. So, so the uh, I mean, it's it's on both sides of the ball. They got playmakers there, so it's not just one strength this team has, and that's you know that's what separates a playoff team from a a championship caliber team, in my opinion, is that. Uh, you know, oh, this team has a really good offense, or this team passes the ball really well. That can get that can win you football games and get you to the playoffs. In the playoffs, teams shut down your big strength. You know that one thing that you do better than everyone else. Everyone focuses on that, and you got to find other ways to win. And the most rounded teams tend to do that, and they tend to win in the playoffs. The Lions, they they could really be one of those teams this year. They run it so well. They have good pass catchers headed by Amon Ross St. Brown, and they got. Great players on defense headed by uh, Hutchinson and, and the rest of those guys. It's a really, really cool team that they got up in Detroit. I don't know. Uh, the defense worries me a little bit. I think it's... I think there's some playmakers there, I think man. I think this weekend showed that this is a flawed defense. Um, you know, again, and they've had they've had some injuries back there that I think have taken away from what they fully are able to do. Um, but, yeah, this, this, this game concerned me defensive for Detroit. But their offense is a big-time dynamo. Um, seven and two. Big game for Amon Ra. Big game for the running back duo, as I mentioned. Um, and Detroit seven and two. How about it? All right, we are going to get our first caller of the day, John from Schnecksville. What are you yelling at me for today? Hey guys, what's happening? What's going on today? Not too much. All right, so I want to disagree with Jack. Mitch, oh. I usually call and disagree with you, yeah. which I still might do, but I want to disagree with Jack. I think Jack's. Kind of overinflating the Bengals at the moment. Thank and I'll tell you. you why I feel that way. I feel that way because they're one and four in the conference. So they're one and four in the conference. They play in the hardest division in all of football right now, the AFC North. Every team significantly above 500. They have a really difficult game this week, which I think they're going to lose and drop to five and five. That would make them one and five in the conference. And if the Steelers ever found a way to beat the Browns for a second time here in Cleveland, and take that division. I'm just going to say this. I don't want to overinflate the Steelers. I'm not going to be that Steeler fan. But I will say this. They have a top-10 defense. They have one of the best defensive players in all of football currently. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have won the most one-score games in the NFL since 2007 under Mike Tomlin with 95 wins with within one score. John, so I hate to cut you off. You John, you have, have some ugly offense or whatever you want to look at it, but they know how to win close games, which is playoff football. And second, the other point I wanted to bring about the Steelers, fellas, is this really quickly. Mitch, you better make it snappy. This is where I disagree with you. You said Warren over Harris. Some people would say Harris over Warren. I say keep doing what you're doing. It keeps them both with fresh legs. And if you look at what they did the last two games, 183 rush yards against the Packers, 157 against the Titans. Let's go Steelers. Go beat the Browns. Guys, have a great show. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Take care. Bye. Oh, last thought. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And right now the man is the Kansas City, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So, woo, take that. Have a great show. Unbelievable. Are you kidding me? I would so like to beat the man. By the way, his logic didn't even add up with the point about the, the, the Steelers. He thinks the Ravens are going to beat the Bengals. 
in the, if the Steelers beat the Browns, they wouldn't take the division because the Ravens would still be Ravens in first place. In so that doesn't even make any sense. Mind you, we're, we're going to move on from that. I, I, I agree with this point about Warren and Harris. I don't know. But I think he calls Warren's in better. And doesn't even add. He calls in and doesn't even add up about the logic with the Bengals. You know, in terms of the Ravens, he thinks the Ravens are going to win. But if the Steelers can beat Cleveland, then they would overtake Baltimore. That doesn't even make any sense. I think I it's digress. true that you've been overinflating the the Bengals. You had them at what, like number five last week or something? I think they're still a really good football team. I'm sorry, a loss really to an good upstart. football team. They're I, an okay football. They're, they're, they're above they, average. Okay, so you're going to clown on them for a loss to an upstart Texans team? No. Um, they have I, what? Look, five losses. They play one of the toughest schedules in the league. I think it's going to make them better. If they get in the dance, they're going to be they're going to be a tough out. They've won one game in conference, as he pointed it out. Just saying, I don't think they're that good. We're talking about contenders and pretenders. I think the Bengals are a pretender. They got a tough schedule. It's going to show a lot. They're going to they're going to have to pull out some gritty wins. I think it starts on Thursday night. Yeah. I, I think a big win against the Ravens is in store. And I think he's right. You know, I, I can accept. I may have gotten ahead of myself with the Ravens. I think they are definitely still a contender. I think we do have to acknowledge the Chiefs are still the class of this conference so far. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right, we have a message from the KUR and Opa to KU community. Want KUR at your event? No. No problem. Go to www.kutztown.edu forward slash KUR. Find live events slash remotes, read the reminders, and fill out the form. Our promotional director or any board member of KUR will reach out to you as soon as possible. An important reminder about events is that KUR needs at least three weeks' notice to even consider your event no exceptions. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Wrapping up our number one of heavy hitters, we were talking all things NFL this weekend, uh, what we what our thoughts are currently at some of the teams we think are contenders, pretenders, etc. Um, let's move on to my final game that I highlighted the night, Sunday Night Football. Raiders improved to 500 for taking down the Jets, and the battle of the hopeless offenses, in my mind, 16-12. to 12. Uh, Devontae Adams really turned it on in the first half of this game before Josh Jacobs took over things in the second half for this Raiders offense. I think he skipped a game. The defense came to play holding the Jets to four field goals. No, I didn't really care about that other game. Oh. No, sorry. You don't care? Two teams that I think are the definition of mediocre. Uh, well, the well one one's below. One's just awful. One's just the other is not competing for a division title. The other one is again mediocre. Um, all right, we we could circle back to that um, and briefly briefly discuss <laughs> it. Uh, I think the play calling from Hacken in the Sunday game a little bit questionable. Jets fall to four and five. Yeah, um, I, I don't understand why everyone is continuing to peddle this Jets hype. It is so annoying. It is the most, it is the second most delusional thing. That the NFL is doing this year first is promoting Taylor Swift, as if anyone cares. Um, oh my goodness, dude. The Jets are not going to be good. The Jets wouldn't be good even if Aaron Rodgers was healthy. Whole year. It's hardly changing the result. They'd have I, two more wins. Boring. Mediocre. So, alright. Um, let's circle back. Washington, Seattle. Um, I mean, it's kind of taking away from the Seahawks at the fact that they had a Go down to a last-second field goal against Washington. Um, but I digress. Seahawks are 6-3, and 29-26 win. Again, this is probably one of the most unimpressive 6-3 and three teams I've seen, in my estimation. I, I just don't love this group. I think they don't. Kenneth Walker's an immensely talented running back. They can't run the ball consistently, efficiently, uh, especially these last two weeks. Got shut down by Baltimore. Only 63 yards in this game against Washington. 
Um, again, I don't see the hype around the Seahawks team. I think they're another first-round elimination come playoff time, just like they were last year. I don't see the, the improvement and how this team can go farther than they did a year ago. I, I'm, I'm not seeing it. Maybe, maybe I'm looking at the wrong things, but I'm not seeing an improvement here from Seattle. They're not going to beat San Francisco for this division when it's all said and done. I don't see a singular shot that happens. This is a wildcard team who's going to lose in the first round. That's what they are. They're not a bad football team. They're not a great football team. They, they are a first-round exit playoff team. It's what they are. They're going to play. Um, they're going to play. <laughs> they're going to play either the Lions and they or the will, 49ers and they will lose. in the first round, which is going to be difficult. But I, I think they are improved. I think their secondary is improved from last year. Um, I think that their uh, running game is improved from last year. Kenneth Walker is a good back. I don't think the quarterback's capable of leading him on a playoff run. I do. I think he's got the the good enough weapons around him. Dude, he has 11 touchdowns. I know. It's a regression year from Geno Smith, but we saw he could be. You have 11 touchdowns in nine year. games. That's not good. They score a lot of rushing touchdowns. Walker's. How many touchdowns does Walker have? Six. Six? Hmm. I thought he had more. It's not that great of an offense. No. It's a pretty okay offense. Pretty, you know, I'd say a little above average. Uh, the defense is keeping them in games much of the year, but they've shown that they can beat some of the top teams in this conference. They beat the Lions head to head already, and that's it. That's their only impressive win. That's an impressive win, though, right? Yeah, it's one. All right, that's that's really potentially. To me, it's a blip on the radar. To, play. to me, it's a blip on the radar. All right. I don't know. I, I still stand by what I said. They're a fringe, uh, you know, team. I, like I said, I think they're somewhere around the 12th best team in the league. But I, I think they're still dangerous. You can't overlook this team. I think playoffs. you absolutely can. You, I mean, that's not the mentality you should have as a professional athlete to overlook an opponent because then you can fall into a trap. But objectively sitting here as, as a person who follows the sport, um, yeah, no, this team's not that dangerous. Sorry. I'm not scared to play the Seattle Seahawks. Who are you more scared of in the playoffs, the Seahawks or the winner of the NFC South? I mean, they're going to get home field. Stop. Just as a team. Neutral site. Then Seattle, but that's a terrible. Okay. Like You're, you're, right. nit, no, you're, you're nitpicking like, I don't the worst team to get into the field. I don't think home field even matters. You're, you're picking the worst team to get into the field. So, like, of course I'm going to pick Seattle because they're better than any of those I'm two teams. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know. You're, I, like, you're tailoring it to favor your argument. I, I totally am. Uh, who do you think the other wildcard team? Dallas, Seattle. I would take any of the other two wildcard teams. I would take, honestly, I take Minnesota right now. Yeah. I mm. At this stage in time, yes, I take Minnesota. <sighs> They're playing better as a football team. We'll continue this discussion on the, uh, on the flip side at the top of hour number two here on Heavy Eater. Stay tuned. And welcome back. It's hour number two. Quiet down, you. Try to do an intro here, man. I'm trying to talk, I, I'm talking to America. <laughs> um, Alex Campus had some awesome yeah. moments on the mic as a referee. Talking to not just America, wherever you may be listening, and however may you may be doing it. Tune in, Radio Garden. My tuner. My tuner. Wherever you may be listening, we appreciate it. Welcome on into hour number two of Heavy Hitters here on Kerr, the radio <laughs> voice of Kutztown University. And uh, I'm Mitchell Smedley. That pretty little thing is Jack Heim. Oh, yeah, you. And we are finishing up 
Uh, we're talking, uh, we were discussing the Seahawks. I think they could beat the Vikings in a playoff game, but they won't play each other because they'll be the six and seven seeds. However, if by some chance Minnesota won the division, there's a high likelihood that they would play the Seahawks. Well, not a high, I don't know. There's a chance, but I'm working that out in my head. You know, they'd have to, you know, the Lions would have been losing. Lions have a good record. Up, 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 uh, whatever. I don't know if the Lions lose the rest of the way. What, no, what I'm are just you kidding. talking about? <laughs> I said that just to stir the pod. <laughs> um, and if you want to get in on the conversation, any of the conversations, anything we've talked about already, anything we will talk about, or if you want to bring something else to our attention, 610-683-4058 is how you get in. Once again, that is 610-683-4058. So, uh, did, I don't think we talked about the Cardinals game either. We don't need to. Uh, it was an in, an important walk-off Congratulations. Lane. Second win of the year for yeah. Arizona. How's your bet looking, buddy? Not your Not bet, good. but your, uh, your prediction. Not good because Kyler Murray's back. Yeah, Kyler Not Murray good. is the man. Not good. Someone drop a new video game. <laughs> Someone drop a new COD. Wait, I think they did just announce a new one. Oh, right? yeah. Modern World Dream Game. They got one win. They're done. That would be my prediction works. Oh, my goodness. When does that come out? December? Oh, it's December. It's December. Almost. Oh, I can't wait for Joe Buck to get excited, <laughs> yeah. bro. Let's oh, go. Man. Let's go. We get Joe Buck tonight. Let's go. We do. Yeah. For a horrific matchup. Um, well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm, I have some interests in the, uh, you in do. the region. You do. Uh, you <laughs> yeah, do. I'm like the America, I'm like America in, uh, you know, like every part of the world. We have some interests in the region. I set up a military base, you know, we have, have you ever realized how many of those America has? Yeah. I've been watching like a bunch of history videos and like, you know, Mitchie tries being a history buff. Well, I am a history buff. It's, it's my, you know, it's one of the leading symptoms of Republican. <laughs> I stole that. <laughs> I started it and then I paused and finished off. Not that. Did you hear what I said? I was like, I stole that. <laughs> I stole that. By accident. I'm One, you stole it. Two, you stole it. Mitch. What? I'm here to steal your souls. Hey, Jack. Yeah. Aha. <laughs> Wait, do, do you get that ad on TikTok that's like, uh, hey, what are you listening to? Oh, I'm listening to And then she like cracks the can open. No, I've not, I'm not oh, had that one before. It's so weird. So. And then she's like, double it and give it to the next person. I'm like, you're odd. Go away. Get off my screen. But the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> get a win over the Atlanta Falcons, man. And uh, a last second field goal. Kyler Murray re- leads them to the promised land. How you doing, Chris? Yeah, Chris. 610-683-4058. Can we revisit the take that Desmond Ritter is actually a good quarterback from Chris? Did he say that? I'm 90% In sure In a text to me or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he totally did, like eight times. Chris, I would love for you to finally call in so that Jack can meet you. Um, you know, and it, look, we're not going to hate on you too much. No. Look, no. I think I've always said Kyler Murray has, like, real talent in this league, so I'm not – Hating on the Falcons too much. Um, you guys are still competing for the division. So call us. See, how you feeling? How you feeling about the rest of the season? 610-683-4058. All right, let's wrap up our NFL discussion here. We, we do have more to talk about now. We're number two. Uh, Broncos-Bills, Monday Night Football up in Buffalo. Bills, eight-point favorites uh, from what I'm looking at here. Um, yeah, the Bills are going to win this game. James Cook. In line to have a good game, I think, with the Broncos' run defense situation and all that entails, it's been a nightmare defensively uh, when it comes to the rushing game for Denver. Um, I think the Bills are really in a spot where they can take advantage of that um, here tonight. 
as just so you could take advantage of me. I mean, look, if you know, if you're looking at fantasy points, I'm not sure how much this values in, but the Broncos are worse than league and in um, you know, fantasy points given up per game to running backs. Is that, is that the stat you're looking at? That's funny. I use that for I, I think that's something I incorporate to my fantasy football decisions. But that's important because that means you're usually giving up a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns to running backs. Have we have a caller in. Mitchell Scranum. I'm gonna keep talking about that. James Cook, I think, is in line to have a good game tonight. I think Dalton Kincaid is in line to have a good game as he is really really developed into a big part of this Bills offense over the past couple of weeks. Dalton Kincaid. Look for him to get in the end zone once tonight. I think that's going to be something I'm going to lock in. Um, Dalton Kincaid, anytime touchdown scorer, I think that's Ooh. my lock of the night. I didn't start him this week. I had Mark Andrews, who is not good. But we have a call in from John from Easton. Oh, oh my. Okay. Okay. We want to talk AFC right. North. Got, What's on your mind, Johnny? I got Johnny? a couple of things. I got a couple of things. One. Dalton Kincaid will not score tonight because FanDuel boosted his odds. And, you know, the fix is in. Whenever the odds are boosted, they have a bad game. So I am fading the anytime touchdown Dalton Kincaid. I could see an uptick in targets for Dawson Knox tonight, though. Kids ready to roll. Monday night primetime Dawson Knox. Kids ready to roll as he's older than Dalton Kincaid. 1-800-GAMBLER, folks. (laughs) Hey, hey, I want to talk about the AFC North, okay? He's the one who brought up the anytime touchdown. But anyway, so. I agree with Jack. I don't think the Bengals are cooked. I think we need to realize who's playing quarterback there. What's his nickname? Joe what? Joe Cool. Joe Burr. What's it getting outside? It's getting cold. The man knows how to play in December and January, and he's going to get his team ready to roll going into Thanksgiving and the past that, heading towards Christmas and then the playoffs. He's the second-best quarterback in the entire AFC, and he's going to get his team into the playoffs and cause havoc again in the AFC. And also, I want to say, he's the Pittsburgh Steelers, the now that they have a running game, Matt Canada on the sideline, he's bringing a lot of energy to the team. They can ground and pound with Warren and Harris and that defense right to the AFC title game. They can play with anybody in the AFC. The only team who I have issues with is the Kansas City Chiefs because no one's beaten them. Realistically, nobody really has beaten them. They lost one game, what, week two, whatever it was. Two losses. But, or week one, excuse me. They lost to the Detroit Lions, who's also, you know, in their own right, has a chance to get to the NFC title game because the NFC is weak. But the Pittsburgh Steelers are a dark horse to reach the AFC title game. If Kenny Pickett can start playing like he does in the fourth quarter in any of the first three with that rushing attack and that defense, they can play with anybody in the AFC. Also, I want to say the Islanders, anytime goal scorer, Bo Horvat, he's going to start the Western Canada trip hot, but they will lose to the Edmonton Oilers with their new head coach tonight. All right, John. David probably going to have a hat trick. All right, John, thanks for the call. We appreciate you, buddy. Uh, have a good one. Um, we appreciate your calls as always. We do. Uh, no matter who it is, um, no matter what your take, if we agree with it or disagree with it, we always appreciate the calls here on the show. A uh, lot there to break down from what John said. A lot of thoughts yeah. in the AFC North, some outlandish thoughts in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I'm not going to just go gung-ho and, you know, buy all in on this Steelers run game. You did it against the Packers' run defense that is not stout at all. They're in the bottom you know, bottom 10 in the league in run defense. They are not a good team against the run. Is it optimistic? You know, is it, is it, and, oh my goodness. Is it optimistic and encouraging to see Najee Harris and Jalen Warren be this efficient? Sure. Yes, it is, it is a good sign. Now, does it mean it's a sign of consistent production and good things to come? I'm not necessarily convinced of that. If you look at their last couple of games, 16 for 69 for Harris against the Titans, 16 for 82 against, against Green Bay, but those are a couple of teams that are not all that great. You look at the weeks before that, the Rams and Jacks, 14 for 53 for Harris, 7 for 13 against Jacksonville. 
based off of two solid weeks of production, I'm not going to buy all in on the Steelers' run game. I want to see it a little bit more and against some higher-quality teams first before I say, you know what, I'm convinced that the Steelers' offensive identity is going to be able to ground and pound their way through games. And I think the other thing I wanted to dive in on, by the way, uh, Warren Harris sounds like a like a voting ticket. It sounds like something I would go in for. We're like a law firm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here, at, here at Warren Harris, we put you first. <laughs> We're about our clients. Um, sounds like something that would compete with Pearson Specter. <laughs> so Warren Harris, uh, here's my thing. Joe Burrow, uh, he's lucky if he's the second best quarterback in his division this year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Lucky? Yeah. Okay. All due respect, are you – Deshaun Watson and Kenny Pickett don't sniff Joe Burrow. Deshaun Watson magical. Um, Deshaun Watson – could he is not something? a good quarterback. I love Come on. This please, please stop the insanity for once. This is ridiculous. The fact that you think Deshaun Watson is even close to Joe Burrow at this stages of both of their careers is absurdity. I'm talking about this year alone. Exactly. Deshaun Watson is not good this year. He could be down the stretch. Neither of them have played particularly well this year. That's my point. Joe Burrow is Joe just Burrow fine. is closer to the talent level of Deshaun Watson this year than oh, he is please. to Lamar oh, Jackson. Oh please! Oh my goodness, that's enough. That is enough. You're enough. You're ludicrous. I, that's how I feel. That's what I see when I turn on the Bengals. That's what it is. Joe Burrow has not played all that well this year. Sorry. Not going to apologize, even though I just did. Um... And, by the way, the other thing I wanted to dive in on, what is this narrative that the NFC is weak this year? Um, I don't know how you be- perceive the NFC to be strong this What are year. we talking about? Eagles, Cowboys, Niners, Lions, Seahawks, uh, Vikings. And that's your problem. That is that is exactly Those your problem. Those are competing teams, you think, dude. You think this, so, okay, so do you think the Seahawks or Vikings or Dallas can win multiple playoff games? Sure. No. Yes. I don't think any of those three could. What are you talking the about? The only one of the three that could possibly do it is Dallas. Dallas could. Minnesota absolutely could. No way. No way. You think Josh Dobbs can lead the Vikings to the NFC title game? Um, you were outside of your mind. I think he can win a playoff mind. game or two. Yes. Why? Why? A, I don't even know if Josh Dobbs is the worst part of that argument. I mean, the, Justin the defense, Jefferson's one of the best receivers in the, the league. The defense bro. of Minnesota is, I am not. That's why I have Seattle ranked ahead of Minnesota. I know. This mirage. This is, this is. These teams have good pieces you, on them. You, you're telling me you overinflate the Bengals. You overinflate every other wildcard team known to man. That's not true. And I think the Bengals could win playoff games. Known to man. There is legitimately this is what I'm saying. These teams three. are competitive. There is legitimately three NFC teams who have possibilities of going to the Super Bowl. Are and I'm going to list them off. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the San Francisco 49ers. And an outside chance, I think, for the Lions. I don't know if the, the defense outside can hold up. Outside chance. I don't know if the defense can hold up against the top two teams. Add to that conference. list the Cowboys. No, I know. No. Oh, my goodness. What is the Cowboys' signature win? Oh, you whooped up on the Giants twice. Congratulations. The Giants are horrific. The Giants are one of the worst football teams ever assembled. I love hearing those words. They might be worse than Carolina. I don't think so. You put those two teams in a football field together, I'm not sure what happens. I, with, with Tommy DeVito as the current quarterback, I'm not sure the Giants score more than, than 17 points. It is bad. Um, I don't know, man. Dallas wins with authority. when they Against win. the bad teams. I know. They kept it close against the Eagles. 
Five points. You don't get anything for keeping it close. At the end of the day, a loss is a loss. It shows that they're competitive and they're not like this off this huge talent gap like you think they are, this cliff of of talent. The problem is, when it comes to the big games, Dak Prescott cannot get it done. Period. End of story. He doesn't have it inside of him. He doesn't have the extra gear that when his team needs to make a play and they have to count on him to do it, he can't get it done. Not saying they'd be favored, but they definitely could win a game or two or three in the playoffs. How many times you got to see the Cowboys lose in the playoffs to believe that they cannot go anywhere? Eventually, they are going to break through. They are not going to lose playoff games for the rest of their franchise's existence. It's not going to happen. They lost by 32 to San Francisco. That doesn't just happen by accident. I understand that. And they were fully healthy in that game. Oh, I know. I know. Then they lost by five to Philadelphia. Who's better than San Francisco? And they had a chance to win the game. We're moving on. Oh, my goodness. The NFC is not this weak little cupcake of a conference right now. So what, what was it last year? Much weaker than this. I don't. Th- I think it's it's. It was I Eagles, think it's Niners. A, it's an uptick better this year. Still a very weak conference. No. Last year, the playoff teams were the Eagles, the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Giants made the divisional round. Gross and gross. I think Seattle this year and the Giants last year are very, very equivalent. Seattle this year is equivalent to the Giants last year? No. Yes. No. No. Ceiling of the divisional round. Oh, my goodness. How is that not the case? I think it's realistically the case, but the, the team itself is better. I'm talking about like the, where they could end up in the playoffs. I'm not comparing rosters. Okay, first there's no wild card team this season in the NFC that can even sniff going to the NFC title. Yes, they could. It's two games that you have to win. Two games. You're making that way easier than it sounds. It's not easy, but. It's definitely possible. All right, we got more stuff to talk about here. We're going to move on to the college football realm. Um, we love debating the NFL. It's fun. What, what, how many teams do you think there are competitive in the AFC? Is that a stronger conference? Well, what, like again, you're using things that are not objectively measurable. Then your your measurements, whatever you said, the Eagles, Niners, and maybe Lions were. Like, like do you think what are those teams in like, the AFC? Like, are you con- saying competitive on the scale of being able to make the playoffs, or being competitive on the scale to win the Super Bowl? Competitive, be able to win playoff games. I'll I'll, I'll use that. So metric. what teams that have the ceiling of the conference title game are higher? Yeah, which by the way, I think Minnesota is one of those teams. He's upset. You don't think Justin Jefferson can go off a couple times in the playoffs? It's going to take more than just Justin Jefferson. I, they have off. more than Justin Jefferson, bro. Hawkinson's a great piece if used properly, which he is this year. By the way, by the way, can we address that they're not beating? Have they beaten a single team over five hundred in this stretch? I'm not sure about that. Like as impressive as a bounce back as the Vikings are having. They don't have a single win in this stretch over... Oh, no, sorry. They did beat San Francisco. Did forget about that. Yeah. Did forget about that. So, okay. So, they have, they have a statement win. And who they very well could play in the playoffs. They already beat. In San Francisco. Different story. Also, we'll see if what the health situation is like for these teams come that playoff time. That's also hard to predict as well. Um, anyway, I digress. We have to talk about college football, but we will do that when we come back. Our first break of hour number two here on Heavy Eaters on the radio voice of Kutztown University. KUR Kutztown. 
Hour number two of Heavy Hitters. We are back after our first break. We are debating NFL playoff teams, what our thoughts are on their ceilings uh, and if they could make a run deep into the postseason if they were to get there. Um, but it is time to well, on. We have more to talk about here on this Monday show of Heavy Hitters. College football, an exciting weekend in that realm as well. Uh, some big-time matchups to break down. Uh, let's go to Happy Valley first and another Ugh. rough weekend for some Penn State fans. It's the um, same thing every year. They do this every year. Why? All right. It's like my Thanksgiving rant. Enough enough year. of this. Every year. All right. Actually, I'm sorry. Before we do go into that, um, I missed earlier, but it, we do have a message from the KR Community Calendar. Hey, Golden Bears, the KU Residence Life, Housing, and Dining Services Office is proud to once again partner with Noresco to present the annual Trashy on Fashion Show. Support your residence halls by attending hall council meetings on Monday nights to be part of one of Residence Life's most engaging traditions, supporting sustainable initiatives and eco-friendly practices. Then, come on out to South Dining Hall on Friday, November 17th at 7 p.m. to support your peers as they take to the catwalk while wearing garments made entirely from recyclable materials. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. All right. Moving on to the college football realm of things. Michigan, Penn State, 24-15. The Wolverines roll in Happy Valley, take down the Nittany Lions in a slugfest of a game. J.J. McCarthy threw just eight passes all day. Um, they did not crazy. throw a single pass in the second half. 29 rushes uh, to zero passes for Michigan. It's so rare that you see that. It's so odd. But, you know, I've been talking about it all week. Penn State's going nowhere fast. Um they didn't make a coaching change. Yeah, they, they fired the offensive coordinator. You need to fire that coach, demote him, keep Mike, him recruiting. But Mike Yurchich, see ya. Um, the OC of Penn State was fired. Uh, some questionable, to say the least, play calling in this game, especially that two-point conversion play. I mean, what, what was that? Mm-hmm. You line up seven guys all the way to the far side, and then you have your tight end snapping the ball to Drew Aller. What is this, Zeke Elliott snapping it to Dak to end last year's divisional round game with the Cowboys and 49ers? I mean, what are we doing here, Penn State? What is this? It's Tom Foolery. And it's it's embarrassing. I'm not it's even Tomlin a, I'm not even, I'm not even a Penn State fan, and it's embarrassing to look at. It's just bad play calling and, and bad football. Losing to the same teams every year and acting like getting a bowl game is a victory. Penn State wasting this elite defense with this horrific offense. Um, Drew Aller, I don't think he's being put in the best position to succeed with the play calling. The wide receiver room at Penn State is horrible. Needs help. So bad. Thought I thought it was a glaring weakness going into the year. Maybe they could rectify that over the course of the season. Not to be. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, the only good... Only decent option. He's a two on most teams. Yeah, the only, the only guy who shows flashes of being a consistently solid receiver. But I think a good point there, Mitch. Uh, number two on most high-level college football teams. Um... Yeah, it's it's so disappointing. So disappointing when you're looking at it from, from a broad spectrum for the Nittany Lions. Um, Michigan, they're 10-0. Their coach is crying after the game. I think that was a little bit of a clown show, but whatever. Um, you can be emotional after a big road win. Um, caught up on a cheating scandal. We'll see how that all shakes out. Honestly, we haven't been talking about that too much just because... I don't really know what's going on. Everything's you know? still it's, being sorted out there. There's new wait. reports... There's new reports every single day, and we don't want to be spreading misinformation yeah. uh, about the situation. We, all we know to this point, Connor Stallions, who was, quote-unquote, a recruiting analyst there at Michigan, 
has since been fired for his um, supposed active participation uh, in, in a sign-stealing scandal from other schools um, across the Big Ten. Still breaking news updates pretty much daily on that situation. Jim Harbaugh is suspended for the rest of the regular season. He'll be back to coach for the playoffs if Michigan were to get there. Um, he can still be around the team during the week, just can't be on the sideline during game day. Um, but that's 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 what the current situation is there at Michigan. Yeah. Um, but back to the game on Saturday. They're ten and zero. The run game continues to just show why they're they're so dominant. Especially uh, Blake Corum, twenty six carries, one hundred forty five yards, two touchdowns in this game. Too much to handle over the course of a full sixty minutes for the Penn State defense. Uh, and I don't really want to you know bash this point too repetitively, but uh, yeah, the Penn State offense, man, whoo, it is rough to watch. Now imagine rooting for it. Yeah, exactly. So. 24-15, Michigan takes the win. Uh, they get Maryland this week uh, before the game against Ohio State to round out the regular season, which will decide who is going to the Big Ten title game from the Eastern Division. The last year in the Big Ten with divisions uh, with the four newcomers uh, next year in UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon uh, that will really shake up the college landscape there, and especially in the Big Ten, uh, newcomers to other major conferences as well. Uh, but yeah, Sorry to divert you. Different sport, though. I have some breaking news. Okay. Um, Gunnar Henderson has been named the AL Rookie of the Year. Congratulations to Gunnar. Yeah. Had a great season. Uh, Baltimore's first Rookie of the Year since 1989. Since Greg Olson. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, by the way. I was like, whoa. Wait a minute. No. Wait a Trust me, minute. I got that right. I, I had to do a double take on that, I, I saw the alert as well, and I'm like... Like I didn't see it until after you said it. I looked down. I'm like, oh yeah, it does say Greg Olson. <laughs> um, yeah, he had what was it, 82 not, RBIs, 28 home runs. Um, not the former NFL tight end and current uh, color broadcaster for no. Fox. He, which by the way, he's a great broadcaster. I love Greg Olson. Yeah, and, uh, I think that that whole crew does a good job there. Yeah, finishing that set line, he uh, hit 255, I believe, with those home runs. Good year for Gunner. Yeah, enjoy that. Congratulations, well deserving of it. Sorry, totally diverted you there. You're good. Good thing to bring up. Thanks. Uh, congratulations to Gunner. Um, Just a couple MLB notes, which we'll get to right at the end of the show. One of the big time young guns there for Baltimore. Yeah, um, young guns. <laughs> nice. Thanks. So, um, let's go up to Washington. Let's go up to Seattle. How about the Huskies? They continue to avoid the obstacles being thrown their way. They take down Utah in a fun one, 35-28. Washington. 10-0 on the season. Michael Penix Jr. continues to be uh, near the top of the Heisman race uh, as we're nearing the final weeks of this regular season. One more obstacle, and you know, one more tough obstacle, I should say, uh, stands in their way from an undefeated regular season and a Pac-12 title game appearance. Um, I think they actually might have already clinched that. I could be wrong. I'm going to double-check on that uh, front. But they're 10-0. They go to Oregon State this upcoming week. That's a tough one. Uh, DJ Weongalele and the Beavers. Providing a tough challenge up in Corvallis uh, there for Washington. The team that's been a little bit shaky on the road this year. They've played some tight one-score games. Uh, could this be the week that Washington hiccups uh, and suffers their first loss of the season? That no. is to be determined. They're to be win. determined. They're going to win. Uh, but back to this game. Again, Michael Penix Jr., great game. 332 yards and multiple touchdowns. Dylan Johnson, the Mississippi State transfer running back. He's been a huge impact for this Huskies offense this year. Another game over 100 yards, and he found the end zone once uh, in a Dunsey, their top receiver. That guy is incredible. Connection that Panics and the Dunsey have. Uh, truly, truly incredible for this Washington offense. And the defense continues to do enough to get them wins. 
Um, Utah pushed them. In a game that looked like it's going to come down to a fun finish, which offense can keep scoring in the fourth quarter? It was no offenses that scored in the fourth quarter. 35-28 after three. That is what the final score remained uh, as the Huskies get a big home win over the Utes of Utah. Nice. Congratulations to them. And like I said, I think they'll beat Oregon State. Oregon State, the early favorite in that game at home. Upset of the week. Let's go down to Georgia. Man, oh man, are the Bulldogs something something else, man. <laughs> that team is so good. I watched a little bit of this game Saturday. Night. Just when you think, just when you think Georgia might be might be a little bit weak this year, right? On the rocks. Might might be vulnerable, might be a team that can get to them. Ole Miss, who was ninth in the country at the time, rolling into this game. Yeah, they got put in their place. Yeah. They got goodbye. put in their place. A couple early touchdowns and then goodbye. This game was 14-14 in the Early minutes of the second quarter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Flash forward to the early minutes of the fourth quarter. It was uh, 52 to 14. Ouch. Jack, that's not very close. No, excuse me. I think it was 45-14. Sorry, I lied. They, and then they put on one more score. It's not very uh, close. So No, no, it is not. It is, it is not very close at all. Um, Georgia is. That game got turned upside down. It did. It did. For for as heartbreaking of a moment as that was, for me, I quote that all the time. You do. You do. Um, biggest takeaway from this game, outside of Georgia having 600 total yards of offense, is that the run game for Georgia had 300 yards on 35 team carries, 8.6 yards per carry, and five rushing touchdowns. That's a lot. Kendall Milton, the career day, nine carries, 127 yards, and two touchdowns. That's 14 yards per carry. That's what we call getting it done, Jack. Yeah, that's what we call, you know, physically dismantling your opponent. Holy smokes. Yeah, George is good. I wonder uh, which one of their uh, defenders is going to be here next year. A couple of the big storylines after this game. Uh, Lane Kiffin in the presser, we all know him to be a blunt head coach. He puts things matter-of-factly. Um, when it came to this game, he said, we got to recruit better. Uh, <laughs> they have 25 five-stars. We have one five-star. <laughs> um, and at the end of the day, in the sport of college football, you know, upsets do happen, but the more talented team usually gets the win. Um, and, and in this case, Georgia, clearly the more talented of these two teams on the field on Saturday night. Uh, and it crookedly went the way of the dogs yeah it's it's really just unfair i mean brock bowers brock bowers is super human people were supposedly people were in his ear telling him oh sit out the game doesn't matter save your draft stock whatever uh he told his head coach kirby smart that really got under his skin uh that really really made him mad and really wanted made him get out there and play some more he scored a touchdown in this game (coughs) pardon me you're good well kirby smart has built georgia nothing short of special a legitimate chance at three straight titles. Uh, this isn't just a this isn't a mirage. This Georgia team will not get knocked off in the regular season, uh, as they have clinched to the SEC East title again. They're going back to the SEC title game uh, against Alabama in a couple of weeks' time. They get Tennessee on the road next week. They finish up with Georgia Tech. A couple games I think they should win, considering Tennessee got absolutely slaughtered by Missouri last week. I mean, my goodness, thirty-six to seven. How about the Tigers? What a year they're having in the SEC. Um, they're, they're second in the East. Legitimate chance for Mizzou to get double-digit wins. Um, good for them. I think I've, I've, we've, we've talked about them uh, times on this show. 
Uh, but good, but good for good for Mizzou. Georgia continues to be the team to beat in college football, and it will remain that way until someone does it. Yep, could the be new, Alabama in a couple the weeks. New Alabama could be Alabama. Alabama will not beat Georgia. No, thank you. Stop. Running quarterbacks have. That is Russian misinformation. Been a little bit of a problem at times here for Georgia. Jalen Milrow, one of the most dynamic dual-threat quarterbacks in the country. That should be a fun one between Nick Saban and the Tide and Kirby Smart of the Dogs a couple weeks' time in Atlanta for the SEC title game in early December. All right, let's keep moving on here. Texas barely gets by TCU in the TCU Super Bowl game of the year. Um, They knew they were going to give their A game in this one, and they almost got the best of Texas, but not to be the Horns. Uh, Improve believe it's nine and one. Yes, nine and one on the year. 29-26. The Horns keep their playoff aspirations alive with a razor tight win down in Fort Worth, Texas. Jaden Daniels and LSU. 52-35, they beat the Gators. Jaden Daniels uh, might have just had the Heisman game for himself. 372 passing yards, three touchdowns. He added 234 yards on the ground. My goodness. On just 12 carries. For two touchdowns more. 19.5 yards per carry. He accounted for 600 total yards by himself in this game and route to a big-time win for LSU. By the way, negative implications for this game for Florida. A couple of high-profile recruits flipped to fellow SEC schools. Ward, or, so fellow One to a fellow future SEC school in Texas. Wardell Mack, a high-profile corner recruit, flips to the Horns. And, oh, who was the other one I saw? Forgetting off the top of my head. But I know Wardell Mack was one. Another one flipped to an SEC program as well. Um, Florida, not not the best of times for the Gators in Gainesville right now. No, it's not. That must make you pretty happy. Uh, it does. They have a legit chance to not make a bowl game. Five and five, <laughs> they go to Missouri next wow. week, and then they host Florida State, having to win one of those two games to qualify for a bowl year uh, in year two of the Billy Napier tenure uh, down in Gainesville. Did you hear that? Yes, I knocked the binder over. Oh, oh. That was my apologies. You're good. Um, Duke and UNC. This one was a thrill as well. Double overtime game in Chapel Hill goes the way of Drake May, Mac Brown, and the Heels. 47-45. Grayson Loftus, the third-string quarterback for Duke. 189 yards, three touchdowns in this game. Jordan Walters, the tough physical back for the Blue Devils. Up over 110 yards, multiple touchdowns as well. Drake May. Solid game for him. Well over 330 in the passing category. Tez Walker, 7 for 162. UNC, 8-2 on the year. Um, I don't, I believe, yes, that final spot in the AC title game is up for grabs. FSU has clinched the spot in it already. They're going back. Um, Congratulations, buddy. Thank you. An undefeated run through the ACC. I'll talk about my Knowles in a little bit. Please do. Uh, but Louisville. Right now in a good position to get that second spot as they are 6-1. and one. Uh, They have one ACC game left. They go to Miami next week for a noon showdown. Interesting one. Uh, if Miami can take it and a win by UNC uh, could draw to a tiebreaker situation in the ACC. UNC goes to Clemson next week and then to NC State to end their season. Tough road for the Heels uh, to try to get there. They are right behind uh, Louisville at this moment in time in the ACC race. Oregon got a big win against USC at home, 36-27, to keep themselves right in the thick of the playoff race. And in the Pac-12, they go to Oregon State, favored by 24. That's a big line. Uh, And then they get Oregon State in the Civil War game. Uh, That's the name of their rivalry. 
gotcha. uh, between them and the Beavers. Um, to round out their regular seasons, they try to get back to the Pac-12 title game and get a rematch with the Huskies of Washington. All right, let's go. Let's go to my Knowles, man. Let's go to my Knowles. By the way, Bonix right at the top of the Heisman race as well. Um, I think the best thing for his collegiate career was transferring out of of Auburn and going to Oregon. Uh, he had 412 yards and four touchdowns in this game against USC. So another big game for him. All right, let's go back to my Knowles here. 3:30 game at Doak Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee. Florida State wins it 27 to 20 against their rivals. A big recruiting weekend for Florida State. Over a hundred recruits in Tallahassee for this weekend. As Mike Norvell and company are really trying to hammer home their rest of the 2024 class with some high-profile recruits in town. Jeremiah Smith, the number one overall player in the class, committed to Ohio State right now. As the Knowles are trying to work on flipping him. To FSU, um, Cam Coleman, another receiver, five-star, who's currently committed to Texas A&M, was in Tallahassee for the weekend. The list goes on with the high-profile recruits um, at this game, FSU and Miami. The Knowles win it. They have three straight over their rivals, Miami. Jordan Travis, 265 and a touchdown. I'm actually going to be watching this game back tomorrow. I didn't get to do it yesterday. I, I recorded it because um, right after Kutztown took down Slippery Rock, the PSAC title, I had to go straight to straight to my job. Um Getting your money up. Yeah. So I wasn't able to actually see this game on the television, unfortunately. But, again, I'll, I'll rewatch it tomorrow night. Um, live back the highlights of that one. Uh, Trey Benson, a couple rushing touchdowns in this game. The Oregon transfer was formerly coached by current Miami head coach Mario Cristobal. Um, and, again, he had a big game against them last year down at Coral Gables. A couple touchdowns in this one for Florida State. Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman both returned for this one. I think Coleman was playing through an injury. I think that was clear as day uh, from looking back at some of the highlights that I saw um, and, and other and other plays. Again, I'm big on uh, follow a lot of FSU stuff on uh, on X, so keep uh, keep updated with that. So that doesn't sound things. fluid. No, it X. doesn't. It doesn't. But it's what it's called. So I know. Coleman had a big special teams play in this game, though. Uh, 57 yard punt return to set up. Uh, touchdown for himself. That would ultimately ultimately be the game-winning touchdown for Florida State. 10-0, the Knowles' final two games. South or North Alabama at home next week. That's a mop-up, their final out-of-conference game. Uh, and then they go to – actually, I lied. Uh, they have two more. North Alabama, and then they go to Florida in their yearly rivalry game at the end of the year. Uh, as they await their opponent in the ACC title game, Florida State, three wins away from the college football playoff. Are you sure? 13-0, you can't keep him out. I know. That would be insane, man. You excited? <sighs> I'm happy. I'm I'm starting to, like, now that we beat Miami, I thought we were going to beat them a little bit more convincing than we did, but we won the game. I'm happy about that. It's always tough for robbery games. So, so tough to predict. We're favored by 14, won by 7. North Alabama is going to be a, a cupcake. We'll be 11-0. Going to Gainesville is always tough, no matter the Florida team. Uh, it's a rivalry. They always get up for that game uh, down there. But I think if we get by that one, I think if we go 12-0, I think we're very well situated to beat whoever we we meet up with in the ACC title game. Um, I have a chance to see the Knowles in the college playoff. I cannot stay. It doesn't feel real to say that. Like, I know how good this team is, but like being a fan and being dedicated through the really bad years, like the end of the Jimbo era, the Willie Taggart era, even the first year of Mike Norvell when he was trying to 
you know, build the pieces in the early stages. It was rough, man. It was some bad football to watch. We lost to an FCS team at our home field. I remember. On a Hail Mary. That that like that, that one hurt. I still that, that's a night I'll never forget of how painful that was. To hear the clowning for everyone like that that I that I was close with and, and knew I was a Florida State fan. It's like, oh my goodness, you guys just lost to an FCS team. What a joke. Getting trounced by Miami when when Norvell wasn't able to coach in in his first year, we had to have uh, one of our assistants coach. It's been it, it, there's been some rough times, so you know it really makes you appreciate being successful, going through the dark times, and being a fan when things are things are going tough. Really makes you appreciate the good times that much more. It's a good point. It's a very good point. So and that's across sports, you know. It is absolutely. It's not just not not just for Florida State this year in college football. It's I emphasized think in college football because, well, that'll go away, but there's only been four teams a year. So it's so rare that your team does get in if you're not Alabama, Ohio State, one of those teams. So. Georgia. So. For the other teams, it's such a special occurrence. You think you can uh, make a, a run? I don't know. We'll see. Natty? Got to get there first. Nice. Got to get there first. That's what my mind's focused on. I, I don't want to think. I don't want to think about the playoff matchups. Before we actually get there. So, we're going to step aside for one final time here on Heavy Hitters. Uh, when we come back, we will put a bow on our college football conversation. I'll wrap it up with some tidbits from the NHL uh, and the MLB here on Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Welcome back into Heavy Hitters. Dude, the timing was off by like a fraction of a second. Oh, it was so close. <laughs> Anyways. You said well, and then I turned on the mic, dude. It was literally like a tenth of a second. It was close. Maybe probably more like a quarter of a second, but whatever. Oh, he missed it badly. Uh, welcome back into Heavy Hitters. I'm Mitchell Smedley. That's Jack Heim. And uh, we're making our way through our second hour. Last segment of the day. And then we'll be with you on Wednesday to preview week 11 NFL. Week 12 college? Um, Mitch? What? Yeah, did you forget? Week 11. Wednesday? Yeah. Wednesday. Oh yeah, we won't have a show Wednesday. Well, we will. Uh, we might pre-record. We're, we could pre-record, or we could out. change the date. Um, I totally did forget. That's how important family is to me. Keep posted. <laughs> um, we might yeah. try to maneuver. Yeah, special circumstances. My sister, Carissa Smedley, uh, she'll be playing her first like non-tournament collegiate basketball game. Um, she got some playing time this weekend in the tournament. Um, you know, shook off the, the rust, shook off the jitters, and uh, had a couple great moments. Um, great. I mean, made, made a couple plays, you know. Seeing your sister do anything on a, on a collegiate basketball court is hella cool. So, super proud of her. And I'll get to see her in person when Georgian Court comes to take on Kutztown, the women's basketball teams, on Wednesday. I believe it's 6 at – where do they play? I should know that. Um, Keystone Arena. Keystone Arena. So – so, yeah, if you want to come out, support the Golden Bears, I get it. Or if you want to just come out and scream and cheer for Carissa. Also <laughs> I, don't think many, I don't think many would be doing that outside of you. I will be. I definitely will be. So, how do I even get to Keystone Arena? I don't even know where that is. Um, Never you been know where the, the rec center is? Yeah. Right across from there. That's the field house. Yeah, the field house is attached to the basketball arena. Oh, it is? Yes. How, yes. Do, you, how do you get there from the um, – I'll walk there in the daylight. Once or twice. Yeah. Figure it out. I'll go scope it out, Jack. 
Don't worry about that. But did yeah. You, did you hear that? What? I don't, I don't know. Never mind. Maybe I'm hearing things. Thought I heard something. I don't know. I heard your chair squeak. Maybe that was it. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. The voices are back <laughs> in Jack's head. Um, so yeah, we'll figure out the uh, the Wednesday show. So definitely. What are you doing Wednesday with your free time? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Come support K Rizzle. I said I don't know. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll be doing the broadcast tonight. Oh really? Yeah. For uh, for KUR or for um, no. Uh, digital yeah. PSAC. Gotcha. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah make sure fun. to make sure to be super emphatic whenever Smedley gets the ball. Um, and a pass over to Smedley. Oh my goodness! That and was fumbled. <laughs> and she loses possession. She fumbled it and it's pounced on. <laughs> Going the other fumbled way. Fumbled it. It looks like she ba- got back on top of it, but <laughs> folks, I don't think they realize what sport they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got a double. <laughs> oh my goodness. Base hit left field. A power play goal. <laughs> For Smedley. Look All at right. that. <laughs> All right. Um, let's take a look here at the NHL. Let's look at the games from the night oh, ago. Oh, I was going to go MLB. We can go NHL. Connor Bedard, a couple of impressive goals in that game against Florida for the Blackhawks. Uh, just picks the pocket of Kevin Stanley and roofs it up top over the netminder. Already nine goals for Bedard. I mean, you're just you're seeing already the, the true capabilities that this guy has. Truly a master uh, at only such a young age, I believe just 18 years old truly incredible um the future of this franchise for chicago no doubt about that uh an immensely talented player and then his second goal just comes in on the rush uh, and just goes far far side uh beautiful shot i just realized something what do you think that the blackhawks are named after the animals or the helicopters Uh, mitch i don't know (laughs) Never thought about that, actually. <laughs> it's just what keeps me up at night. I, I think of some of these questions, and I just can't, like, you know. You whatever. can't fathom it. Do you want to read us something? Sure. Thank you. Tell me a story, Granddad. Where is that? <laughs> you dropped it, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Got him. We're here. It's definitely that time of the night. All right. From the KUR Notebook, once you join a fun campus club, no. join KUR. Okay. Fun events, great friends, and an opportunity to play your favorite tunes await. Really? Email KUR at Kutztown.edu. That's KUR at Kutztown.edu for more information. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Or if you want to talk your favorite sports, come on now. Absolutely. That's what we do. Yeah, it is. Uh, You could be part of our broadcast team. You could. Live sporting events. Plenty of opportunities here at KUR. Uh, On the air, off the air. So many, so many avenues for you to get involved. So One such opportunity. If you think you're interested, come out to our meetings uh, every Tuesday, 11 a.m., Sheridan uh, Art Building, room 120. Correct. But, uh, yeah, one such opportunity. We get a cool, super awesome chance to uh, help broadcast for KUR this weekend when KU takes on Virginia Union. Yes. In the NCAA Division II tournament. Yep. First um, round. I get a super – like, I'm not going to lie – like, there's great parts about being play-by-play in color up in the booth, you and Josh. I love being downfield level. Not going to lie. It's so it's awesome, so man. lucky, man. Yeah. Just being right up on those players, right? Talking what with them. That? <laughs> being right there with all the action. <laughs> um, you know, almost getting run over when someone runs out of bounds. It's so, oh, man. There's a picture out of uh, me standing behind the ref putting up the touchdown signal for KU. Yep. So, that was cool. Yeah. So I yell at the rest to call the touchdown, you know. I influenced the game. 
it is what it is, man. So super excited. But any other NHL notes you got? Um, yeah, let me let me take a look here. Just looking at a night ago, Stars put up a crooked eight goals on Minnesota. Rough night for Marc-Andre Fleury and the Wild. He's still in the league. Wow. He is still in the league. Fleury! Dallas continues to be one of the best in the West. Um, let's go to Vancouver. They continue to rock and roll. What a start they're off to. 5-2 win over uh, Montreal on the road last night. Has them sitting pretty right behind Vegas. 11-3-1 of the Canucks. How about that they have one of the best goal differentials in the league plus 33 i believe that actually is the best in the league so it is good for vancouver what a start for them thatcher demko continues to be impressive and nep uh, brock besser elise petterson uh, and quinn hughes lead the charge for the canucks let's look at tonight's games islanders go to edmonton we already had john talk about the islanders earlier but horvat uh, is an anytime goal scorer in edmonton uh to defeat the islanders with the hiring of their new head coach um, actually, their new coach, uh, I believe his name's last name's Knobloch, who uh, coached Connor McDavid uh, in the OHL with the Oilers. I'm going to reaffirm that so I don't look. Hold on. You don't want to look a fool? Uh, I don't. Yes, Chris Knobloch. There we go. The uh, AHL coach of the Rangers. The Hartford Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Congratulations. <laughs> so, um, he'll be relieving... Jay Woodcroft of the head coaching duties in Edmonton. Uh, other game tonight, the Avalanche and the Kraken. Two teams who have been middle of the road over the last 10 games. 5-5 five and five for Colorado. 4-4-2 uh, four, four and two for Seattle. Um, I was expecting a little bit more out of the start, for, out of the jump for Colorado, man. Only 8-5. I, I agree. I think it's a little bit, I mean, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a little bit disappointing. A little uh, underwhelming. I think for a team as, as high caliber you know, as Colorado is, I think they should have expected. I think the expectations were to and to get off to a better start than they have thus far. You know, just thought. You know, you, you want to at least be whelming. You know, mm-hmm. is anyone ever perfectly whelmed by something? Um, you can be overwhelmed or underwhelmed. You ever get just whelmed? No, I, I don't know if anyone's ever worded something like that before. Like when you're exactly you re, you react with it exactly as much enthusiasm as you would have thought. I am perfectly whelmed by this situation. Yeah, I guess. Well, I yeah. Colorado. They better figure that out. <laughs> oh, man. Some fun division matchups tomorrow night as well. Bruins Sabres, uh, Penguins Blue Jackets. The Golden Knights travel to take on the Capitals in a cross-conference showdown. Um, and then the Devils take on the Jets, the highlight matchups of tomorrow night for the NHL. All right, we'll, we will round up the show with some MLB tidbits. I saw a article earlier that Shohei Otani has expressed that. some interest in playing for the Atlanta Braves Don't even season, think about it, dude. Which would just, just continue stop. to be nightmares for the rest of Major League Baseball if Shohei Otani added to an already dominant lineup to be the DH and then pitch when he gets back on the mound after recovering from Tommy John surgery. Oh, my goodness. How valuable do you think Shohei is right now? Because the pitching aspect, one more injury, he is done pitching for his career. That's the thing, man. It's so risky. And we know how common injuries are nowadays with how hard pitchers are throwing. He's not going to pitch for more than, I think, two or three years at most. And medical, you know, the medical field has certainly progressed with how to recover from Tommy John surgery and such things of that nature. You see you guys come back. Uh, and look just fine after having that surgery done, but it's not the same for everybody. It, it, it's no. the diff- the injury affects everybody 
differently. It's so unique uh, to each individual person that goes through that. Um, that I'm really interested to see how Otani recovers. He's such a high class athlete, able to do both things. You know, hit at a high level, pitch at a high level. We'll see how he'll be. He will be able to recover on the mound. But that bat is still so good uh, that he does hold a high value. I was listening to a podcast, and I really think the Phillies could trade for Mike Trout. I think it could totally happen. By the way, um, Aaron Nola has been leaked to the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I heard about that. And guess that. what other team? Oh, which one was the other one? I forget. The Atlanta Braves. I, I don't care. No, I enjoy seven water on innings against the Phillies. I enjoy watching my players hit home runs. So please go to the Braves. I don't care. Everyone go to the Braves. Is that what is that what is ha- what is happening here? Reese Hoskins is rumored to go to the Cubs. I did see that. The, I think I, I did. I not see that on the show. The Cubs. No, I think the Cubs is a likely landing spot. And Corbin Carroll, unsurprisingly, has been named the NL Rookie of the Year. Uh, first rookie in MLB That's history with 25-plus home runs and 50 stolen bases in a single season. Uh, was one of the big pieces of why the Diamondbacks went to the World Series. Speaking of Corbin, uh, Corbin Burns, Could please be become a Philadelphia Philly. <laughs> please. Funny. You Remember when I confused funny. him for uh, you Darvish? Darvish? That was funny. <laughs> yeah, all-time all time bit on this. All-time uh, Mitchie moment. Show. Yeah. Yep. Those two got mingled in Mitchie's mind. <laughs> so, um, other pieces the Phillies could... Like kind of swap out Taiwan Walker for like Sonny Gray. Uh, Please do. Just looking at some of the things they've been uh, kind of rumored to be doing or thinking about. Castellanos could be on the trading block. Um, see ya. Get out. Goodbye. Phillies have been rumored to entertain a trade of Castellanos. Yeah. So that would be interesting. Um, Mets, please extend. Please extend Pete Alonso. Please don't. Don't do it. No. Please you don't do. want to do that. You're no, not going. You definitely to. do. You are uh, not going to do that. Kind of a weak free agent class as a whole. A lot of pitching. Not really. I mean, there's a few, but not a lot. No, a lot of people are opting out of their contracts. Like Stroman already opted out. Oh, yeah. So you're seeing more things like that. Phillies uh, could also trade for Cease. Dylan, Dylan Cease? Suppose yeah. the White Sox want a really high price for him. Yeah, I know, but the they might do it. They might do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's I love our politics in this country sometimes. Uh that's I don't know. The Phillies, they better make a splash this offseason. You have to round out the edges of this team. I can't have Johan Rojas. I can't have Christopher Sanchez. Like it's over. No, I, think I don't can. care. I don't want it anymore. I don't want it. You it ain't gonna happen. be here. Next year. It's not coming on my TV again. It won't be allowed <laughs> in this house. Do you understand me? One of the all-time classics. Dude, what a legend she was, by the way. Marie. Oh, man. Just awesome. But, yeah, that's how, I feel, know, about, you know. that's how I feel about Johan Rojas. I don't want it. It won't happen. It's not coming on my TV again. It won't be allowed in this house. That's how I feel about Johan Rojas. The Harpoon's a World Series champ. The- <laughs> Stop. That's Travis Jankowski. It's an inside joke. It's not really like my uncle and I came up with calling him the harpoon because he got a three-run double and an RBI single in one game against the Marlins. So So we called him the Marlin killer, and then it transformed into the harpoon because that's what harpoons do. So He just was awful. That was funny. All right, that's going to take us to the end of the show. Um, Rest of the week, we will decipher what we're going to do about the airing and possibility of a Wednesday show. Uh, So stay posted to the KR Instagram for that. Uh, But... Enjoy the rest of your night.
We'll be back either Wednesday or next week.